0: Welcome to the show that punches you in the face with information. Welcome to the Enterprise Fitness Podcast. I'm your host, owner and founder, Mark Ottobre. And today I'm joined by two of our fantastic trainers, all the way from Ireland, Jason, and all the Frenchman himself, Shane O'Mac. Shane, today we are gonna be going rapid fire nutrition questions with the guys. We thought it'd be a good idea to to do it on camera, these guys are hungry for knowledge. Mm-hmm. They've got some great questions. So I know this show is gonna go in all in every which direction. So strap in and enjoy. But before we get into the meat and veg of it, because it's an nutrition episode, meat and veg, haha. Jason, do you wanna tell us a little bit about yourself for those who haven't seen you in the studio?
1: Hey guys, uh, my name's Jason. Been in the fitness industry for about for about seven, eight years. And I'm just new on the enterprise team for about maybe four months now. Really excited to be here.
2: Hi, I'm Shane. I'm from the island of Mauritius, represent. (laughs) (laughs) I speak French, I speak Creole. I've been in the fitness industry for three years now, but I've always lived and breathed fitness since, since I was young. Yeah, and I've been at Enterprise for, what, a month now? Yeah, yeah, pretty awesome. Mm-hmm. You guys,
0: but what they make up for, what you guys have so much, I was going to say, what you don't have any experience of, so some of the guys who've been here, say, James, like almost like 10 years, eight years, I think, you guys make up with the enthusiasm. You guys are just awesome questions, seeing on the floor, seeing you do what you do, and also. You just fit our culture like a glove. You're already giving hemming shit, so (laughs) big win. And you're giving me shit as well. It's great. I love it. All right, so let's get into the nutrition Q&A of what we've got in store for today. Who wants to kick us off? I know you guys did a rock, paper, scissor. Shane? Yep. All All right, right.
2: I'll go. But just before we begin, uh, question. Would you rather be skinny with abs or jacked but fat?
0: You asked me this before. Did? No, you asked me a different (laughs) one. Would I rather have... Would I ra- you, the one you asked me before was, would I rather have big arms or big legs? Mm-hmm. And my answer to that was big legs. Why? Because if I, had, if I have big legs, then I have got my own inner confidence because then I can still squat heavy and deadlift heavy. Yeah. Whereas if I've got big arms, I know that I'm not really that strong. I just look strong. Really? Whereas if I have big okay. legs, I know that I'm actually, I've got a big, I've got a strong lower back, mm-hmm. strong core. Yeah. I know that I'm strong. And yeah. I've got that inner self-confidence which yeah. will make me look bigger than I really am because right. confidence shines. Yeah, yeah, so that's yeah. my answer for that one. Mm-hmm. So big legs. But then you asked me, would I rather be skinny?
2: With abs or uh, big, but fat? Big, but fat? Yeah. Like it's a choice. <laughs> 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 definitely big, but fat, you? Uh, I'd rather be skinny with abs. Oh, no way,
0: <laughs> big, but fat.
2: Big, but fat, I'll <laughs> take that, you? yeah, really? definitely. Oh, 100%. <laughs> what about inflammation? Yeah, but well, what kind of big?
0: Yeah, we're talking like strong. I'm, when you say big but fat, I'm like yeah. strong man
2: big, right? Right, yeah. Like, with a big belly and stuff.
0: Yeah, well, if you're Eddie Hall, who really cares? Yeah, trim. yeah, yeah.
2: Like, I mean, he's trimmed down now, so he's, he's all right. Yeah, I know, exactly. So <laughs> you,
0: you always have the option if you're big but fat, you always have the option of trimming down. Yeah. So it's harder uh, to build is muscle. It,
2: well, you, could, you could argue the same thing with skinny, right? <laughs> it takes a little bit of time <laughs> to, to build
0: muscle, but that's my personal preference.
2: What feels heavier? 20 kilo of rubber or metal plate?
0: So you are saying like the rubber plates, the rubber plates or the powerlifting plates feel heavier? For sure, the powerlifting plates feel heavier because there's there's less of it. Yeah, but it's a smaller like it's a small it's more compact, but it's the same when it's on the bar. But mm-hmm. when you're holding the plate because it's more compact, it feels heavier because it's a right. smaller disc. But okay, I like to use the Aleco calibrated powerlifting plates for most things mm-hmm. because they're calibrated. So when you pick up 25 kilos, it's it's exactly 25 kilos. Because that's what they're using in competition. If you went to go break a record, (laughs) you'd be probably using a leak of plates, right? Yeah. 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 Cool, cool. Yeah, Jason?
1: Yeah, okay. I'll ask the first nutrition question then. (laughs) Yeah, so what are your thoughts on meal time for body composition?
0: That's a really good question. Meal time for body composition. Look, what has been shown is that you can achieve your results in a number of different splits. Whether it's two meals, three meals, four meals, five meals. So in the scheme of things, so long as you're equating for protein Mm -hmm. and equating for calories, where does it lie in terms of the hierarchy of importance and do you need to do it? I would say it becomes more relevant as a, how do you say, the psychology aspect of getting someone to stick to their nutrition and fit in with their lifestyle because certainly you can have results any which way. I do prefer having feedings from the perspective of protein simulation more smaller and regular feeds although there is evidence to show that you can have bigger feeds and that also optimizes because if you're having more space it's one of those things you're still going to have over the, this over the course of the day you're still going to have the same insulin response and protein synthesis it's just if you the body's always chasing homeostasis and that hematic adaptation in the sense that it's always if you undercompensate somewhere, it's gonna overcompensate somewhere else. If you're steady consistently. So I think the biggest thing I would say for meal timing is that you get super consistent. So if you're gonna do three meals, you you stick to three meals for a period of time. If you're gonna do five meals, you stick to five meals rather than do a week at five meals, a week at three meals, a week at four meals. I would stick to something, get your body. Cause That's the other thing about transit time as well is it loves routine. It loves rhythm. Mm. So if you're constantly eating in the middle, this is why I don't like snacking. If you're eating in the middle of meals and just eating at random times, I'm a big believer more so than meal timing. I'm a huge advocate of routine and setting up structure around people's diet. Then then the question is it better to do three, four, five, six? And I, I don't think there's that's as relevant as setting up an initial structure of this is how many days this is how many times you eat, and then again, making sure that you equate for protein, making sure you equate for calories. Those two things for sure are going to have a big impact on your body composition. How you split that, much less. Mm. The only other caveat I'd say to that is if you do train very hard, you would be looking at, because weight training is an anaerobic exercise, right? Like you're going to get yourself into into a hole, like you're going to use up energy. So making sure that you are fueling your workouts and not lightheaded in the middle of a set. So perhaps there's going to be peri-workout uh, nutrition, like, Pre carbs, post carbs, pre carbs, intra carbs, post carbs. So that's where your as long as your nutrition and meal timing is supporting your workouts, then I don't really see how you structure that as, as much of an issue.
1: Yep. Mm.
0: Yeah.
2: Yeah. Question: While we're on meal frequency, is there such a thing as too many meals per day?
0: You can always take things to the extreme, right? <laughs> well, like ten meals.
2: <laughs> yeah. The yeah, I, th- I think
0: it depends what they constitute as meals, right? I think probably the, the dumbest diet that I've done ever. Actually, I haven't shared this story on the podcast cause it's so dumb. <laughs> but before I competed at, at the Victorian show in 2005, I got this diet off a guy who was a former Mr. Australia, but basically the diet was, no, it was 45 eggs a day. That was all you ate. Raw? You, 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 well, you didn't eat them raw. So you put 45 eggs into a plant pan so you made like a massive omelet quiche almost, right? So it was like 45 eggs or actually only five yolks. So it was five yolks, mm-hmm. 40 egg whites, mm. <laughs> chop up a heap of vegetables in it and chop that up into eight pieces. And there we ate meals every day. And I did that for two weeks.
2: So that was a protein intake, but what about the carbs? That was it.
0: That was it. I was like six, 700 calories. That's an easy meal prep though. <laughs> it was very hard two weeks, tell you that much, right? Yeah. I surprisingly, didn't look that bad. Right? Mm. Like, I didn't look too bad I didn't flatten out as much as I thought I would mm. I, I did push I, I felt like crap every day And trying to train and all the rest of it yeah, That yeah. was hard so I think the thing is in terms of meal It's like, why? And I've done the whole thing like When I was younger in my teens Eating up yeah, Eating in the middle of the night Kind of thing to try and mm-hmm, The metabolism Sorry?
2: S- stoke the metabol- yeah, st- st- metabolism
0: Yeah, <laughs> get more protein in Get more food in and All that's mm. just silly, right? It's all like bro science and Silly stuff Which I did when I was hardcore because I went yeah. hardcore on mm-hmm. bodybuilding, right? It was, oh, you know. that's what we, what you did. I just don't think, I think it's not a big rock. It's a little pebble at best. And the routine aspect of it is what you need. And can you eat two meals? Yeah, certainly you can upset anything. The thing that you want to ask is what's best for your digestion? And digestion is somewhat measurable in the sense that do you poop regularly? And how is your poop? Do you pass it? Do you have a lot of stools? Like a lot of bodybuilders, they fart like, troopers and they can't stop farting. Dude, that's not normal. You're eating too much protein or you're having too much fiber. There's something wrong with your nutrition because healthy people look good, but there's a lot of people who look good that are unhealthy. In that case, I would say, certainly you want to use the feedback of what is actually happening digestively in your workouts, how you feel, because who wants to go to the gym and be farting the whole time? Who wants to go anywhere and be (laughs) farting? It's not comfortable for the person. It's not comfortable for people around you, but it's an an indicator to say that something that you're doing in a nutrition plan is not working. Like you're pushing this too much and your body's now rejecting it. I think the answers around these things, how many meals to eat, how many meals not to eat. I, I think there is nuance depending on the person, for example, and what causes digestive distress. But I think... Stopping and getting that biofeedback of what is happening for you tells a lot more. I know like, I'm usually optimal about five, not, it's not really five meals. Like I have, what, three proper meals and two of them, a shake and a dessert, which is like berries and nut butter. I wouldn't really call that last meal a meal because all I'm eating is berries and nut butter. It's like mm. kind of a after dinner kind of dessert, replacing the shake that I was having, right? And one of them is a shake. So I have three proper meals. I know that that's good for me, right? That I'm happy, I'm not hungry. I don't have gas, Digestion's good. Bowel movements are good. Now that's not gonna work for everyone. Some people may get real, they may crash and may need to eat more regularly. Others, they might be good with three meals. So there isn't, I think people want a hard answer to that. And the truth is like, it's biofeedback. That's what's gonna give you the answer. Yeah. Yeah, Jason.
1: Yeah, perfect. Just on that note as well. So, we're talking about meal timing and stuff. What's your opinion on calorie timing?
0: Calorie timing?
1: Calorie timing. So, we work out and let's say our anabolic window stays open for a day or two. Would you distribute your calorie, the majority of your calories after your workout and even into the next day? Or would you even bother with that?
0: (sighs) Yeah. So, this is really another interesting question because if you look at that, Mario uh, de Pasquale he wrote the anabolic window and he's a very smart guy and probably he's a bit older he's like 90s 2000s mm. he's a bit older now i think he's in his 60s 70s and he was friends with my mentor charles poliquin anyway the guy published a lot of fascinating stuff and one of the things was debunking the anabolic window and he showed that and number one he pointed out that the anabolic window people conflated it and showed that it's all related to glucose so you definitely can increase the amount of glucose that you uptake after training. That's true. So if the goal is to refuel the glycogen inside the muscle, then ideally, yeah, you you are going to do that after the workout because you're going to be more sensitive. Insulin is more sensitive. The glucose receptor cells are more sensitive to uptake glucose and carbohydrate. So that's true, but that doesn't mean the anabolic window or you're going to synthesize more protein directly straight after. So what he found in his research was that the window, as you said, stays open for actually days and you can actually increase the amount of overall nutrients that you're taking. It's interesting. I will say from that's looking at research and saying, where does this come from? There's endurance athletes, which it was originally based on. And then there's bodybuilders who want to perform. I think then you just also have to use principle first based thinking in the sense that if I do want to put on size, there are only so many hours in a day that I can eat. And if I eat a big meal, I just ate before this podcast, I'm probably not gonna wanna eat until six o'clock, five o'clock, seven o'clock, right? I've just eaten. If I'm purposely not eating to keep a window open, then I might not hit my calories at all for that day, which then means I'm not gonna put on size. So I think you need to have a pragmatic approach to things because it's not just, like when you say most people who are trying to put on size, they're just not eating enough, and enough of a good food, like hit equating for that protein goal because protein is hella filling, right? I think from that perspective, timing calories, do you want to have a little bit more post-workout? I think overall, the, my conclusion is yes. The answer is yes. I think your body does distribute it better. And also just common sense would tell you, you're, you're able to refuel, recover faster hit into the parasympathetic mode rest and digest it makes sense like everything makes sense to eat straight after a workout or eat close to after a workout to get you back into recovery mode so you can optimize for the next workout i don't know if that answers your question though
1: no it does yeah
0: yeah i don't really put too much credence onto it other than making it fit a lifestyle and yes if i'm working with a competitor say shane who do everything to the absolute detail Yeah, for sure, he's going to have a bigger carb meal after that workout, but not because I'm trying to time calories, but because the other factors of what it does to the nervous system, if I give him more carbs, it's going to induce rest and digest, more carbs is going to help that. So he's going to relax, it's going to lower cortisol, it's probably the big one, it's going to help lower cortisol because it's going to increase insulin. So those things, anabolic, and that's what I'm wanting to do after a workout. So it's not, I'm just trying to give you calories after the workout for calories sake, but it's the flow-on effects as well and the, you do I find personally people do recover better and I recover better by having more food after I feel better. If that's a guide for nothing else, if I feel better, then I'm gonna train harder, right? Mm. Yeah, Shano.
2: Yep. Uh, quick question. Uh, when I was reading uh, the Enterprise diet, I saw that you wrote. An empty calorie. So my question is, what is an empty calorie? That's define. For those who don't speak French, he said empty calorie,
0: (laughs) not anti calorie. (laughs) (laughs) It wasn't that bad. Be honest, man. I didn't know what you were (laughs) talking about. Lucky I knew what he meant. (laughs) He said empty calorie. So what I'm referring to as an empty calorie is imagine, imagine going. You've, I'm guessing you've. What is it? uh, Cupboards at home, right? Yeah. Yeah. So if you have cupboards at home, imagine getting like big boxes like those boxes that we have there that come for our our supplements, right? And just filling up your cupboards with empty boxes. Okay. All right, you've got a cupboard and say this is your house or your body and you're filling it up with empty boxes that my chair, that don't really, they, they can hold things, but there's nothing in them. That's what I mean by empty calorie in the sense that there's no nutrients associated with that calorie. An empty calorie, for example, would be a donut or sugar, for example. You could have sugar, there's no nutrients in sugar. It's empty or you could have the same calories, say from salmon and you're getting protein, you're getting fatty acids, you're getting a whole plethora of nutrients. You can have vegetables, you're getting a whole plethora of nutrients, fruits, potato, any anything else. sugar is empty in the sense So junk food, like Coca-Cola, you look at say 100 grams of Coca-Cola or 100 calories of Coca-Cola versus 100 calories of steak, 100 mm. calories of Coca-Cola doesn't have anywhere near, doesn't have any of the nutrients that say the 100 grams of steak would have. So that's what I mean by empty calories. Imagine going on the concept that I I wrote very early in my career was about calorie budgeting. So if you're on a budget and you earn, say, 100 bucks a week, the first thing you're going to buy is not designer jeans, right? Designer jeans is the last thing that you're going to buy. For 100 bucks, you're going to budget, you're going to buy food because you you need to be on a budget because you're going to get a lot more from your food. So in this case, you can equate it to designer jeans would be the empty calorie here. It's not an essential thing. That's what I mean by empty calories. Mm. Does that answer yeah. your question so
2: if I try to actively listen is, is that sugar without the nutrients that it brings is empty and yes. it could, you could say the same thing for fats if you're eating a very fatty thing but it doesn't have much macro micro, sorry micronutrients micronutrients then it's empty yeah so if you compare say margarine to butter so margarine is empty
0: compared to butter which has your vitamin A, D, K, E or your fats a much better array of fats the only way margarine by the way has fats with vitamins is if they fortify it don't Fortify, it doesn't have it in it. So it's a good example. If you compared butter, 100 calories of butter to 100 calories of margarine, there is thousand times more nutrients in that butter than there is in margarine. So you're definitely better off having 100 calories of butter over margarine every day of the week. Mm. Yeah. Right. So I think where the industry eats itself is the whole thing of a calorie is a calorie or a calorie is not a calorie. If it fits your macro? Yeah, if it fits your macro, because I think... And I do talk about this in my book too. When the section around, I think it's what chapter three, where I talk about the researchers and scientists versus coaches and practitioners. And what I say in it basically is, your scientist is always asking why something works, and your practitioner he just wants to know, and your your coach just wants to know what works, and how it doesn't really care why so much it works. So if something works, it works, and everyone's happy, right? But science will always have questions as to why something works, and I think sometimes the danger is coaches overdo their advice let's say for example eliminate all carbohydrates yes you're going to have results on that but then science will quickly point out that you don't need to eliminate carbohydrates to get a result the reason why people get the result is because they're on a calorie deficit right so it's being able to sort those things out but my point is with the empty calorie statement when you say empty calorie to a scientist their immediate response will be but a calorie is a calorie and that's true, but that's not what you're saying, <laughs> right? It's, it's like a kilometer is a kilometer. Yes, but a kilometer in the wrong direction isn't gonna get you any further towards your goal. But yes, a kilometer is a kilometer, but that's not what I'm saying in that context. In the context saying a calorie is not a calorie. A calorie is not a calorie in the sense that one has nutrients associated with it, one doesn't. It's a unit of measurement. And I think that's where people nitpick and they nitpick because it's trendy on social media. But if you just use a little bit of common sense, you can understand the fact that a calorie isn't a calorie. If, if, you, if you understand what, what I'm saying yes. you can take it as a oh it's just a unit of measurement but is that really what the person and the intent of what someone is saying when I say it no I'm not talking about say a unit of measurement I'm talking about how to budget people's food better and search for foods that are nutrient dense as a way to implement better advice so people are able to live better lives or have okay. better nutrition so they get better results right yeah right. Shane Shane <laughs> 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 you were close. Use <laughs> <laughs> this, <laughs> this side. <laughs> yeah, this side.
1: It's close. It was going to be one or the other. Just so, since we're talking about if it fits your macros, um, I want to talk about basically macro ratios. Does it really matter if you have, say, thirty percent of your calories come from protein, say, twenty percent fr- or forty percent from fats, and then the rest then from carbohydrates? If you're getting enough, does it actually matter if those macros are different? The
0: Yes, it does matter because it will affect how people feel and their body composition. The the first thing you need to equate for is protein. Protein Mm. across the board will definitely impact body composition Mm. and and how much muscle. What's been shown muscle loss, I think it's once you start getting below that like 20% of someone's diet. Now, that's not saying someone's training. That's just if you get below that uh, 20% of someone's diet or they generally will start to lose muscle mass and body composition will be affected. If you are someone who wants to grow muscle and maintain, then you're probably looking around at least 33% of your diet at, at kind of a minimum. You, you base it off your body weight times, anywhere from like 1.6, generally accepted to around like 2.6. You can go as high as three if calories are really low to maintain lean muscle mass. Mm-hmm. And there's also studies that show four times body weight and with no harm, no effect, so long as you don't have any pre-existing kidney issue. But if you're healthy, it's fine to, to go that high. But generally what I would use for most people is around two to 2.5, two to 2.4. Generally, once you set that calorie and that's going to be dependent upon, obviously, how much, how much you train, how hard you train, how big you want to get personal preference for food as well. And then also carbohydrates, carbohydrates, protein sparing, how much, and also then what type of activity are you doing? If you're training with weights, you will be, I would say, most people training with weights will be using a higher carb approach because that's anaerobic exercise. Where does keto come in? Keto is actually pretty good for your endurance athletes. Uh, believe it or not there's a lot of research shows that and also it makes sense because you just consume more food it's not to say you're going to get absence of carbs but there's a lot of very successful endurance athletes that have gone keto or not keto just higher fat not strict keto but higher fat that, that's being that, that has worked for them and obviously that's it, it's something that you don't have to do it that way the keto aspect of someone's diet where I'd recommend keto is if you have epilepsy there's actually a lot of research to show that epilepsy is it's not any tolerance but <coughs> when it comes to pathways there's an inhibited pathway in the brain of glucose i can't remember where it is but basically that essentially induces seizures so there, there is a lot of research that shows that if you're epileptic and you have seizures a keto diet is definitely the way to go that's where i'd apply a keto diet pretty much exclusively oh actually the only other time i'd apply a keto diet is if you have a dysbiosis or overgrowth of bad bugs gut bacteria which would then be applied temporarily to then and then you'd also have to go treatment at the same time of killing the bad bacteria and reflourishing the good and that the reason for that is because bacteria grows on glucose and sugar so you need to starve the bacteria to kill it off so it doesn't proliferate so they're really the only times that i like keto there are obviously people who find it as a preference but the reason why i say that i should preference with this if you just look from a biological point of view or biology point of view one molecule of ATP equals, sorry, one unit of glucose equals 32 to 36 units of ATP. So it is the preferred energy source of the body for that reason. You're just gonna make a whole bunch more ATP from glucose than you are from fat, which is inef- inefficient in a sense. So that's why it's, that's why I say if you're weight training, especially when you're weight training, you wanna make sure you have your gut. And even guys who are like cyclical keto, they do this kind of things or who, who might have their percentage of fat higher and their carbs lower, they're still timing their carbs around or they will time the carbs around their workout for the fact that they aren't able to train and get a pump and all these other things if carbs are too low. To answer the question directly, you need to equate for calories for sure. You need to, and some people find it easier by having higher fat because they just simply they just get satiated. But if body composition is the goal, you need to factor the protein. Protein comes from the Greek word prime importance or proteus, which means prime importance. So you need to factor in protein first and then how you make up the fats and carbs can be personal preference. Personally, I like a kind of a mid split, mo- like an iso split. so like 33, 33, 33. For most people do well like that, but you also get people who need super high carb diet or a slightly higher fat diet. And then it also can be seasonal as well
2: for people. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yep. Perfect. Shana. Yes. <coughs> I love my Asian food. And so, my question is, what are your thoughts on MSG? MSG. (laughs) (laughs) What is it?
0: Monosodium glutamate. glutamate. So, it's been like... I've been highly contested. I haven't looked at it for years, but it's been pretty highly contested as to its role. My understanding last time I looked at it, because I didn't actually write about this in the book at all, so I didn't really get into it much, but they use it as a food additive to make it more addictive most of the time. Monosodium glutamate is a pathway in the brain and... It can, when overstimulated, can create, I believe, more of a, dop- a, a alert kind of excitatory uh, addictive, kind. not addiction is the wrong word, but you want more of it, right? It creates that effect, almost like a dopamine hit. Obviously, in terms of food, it, I believe it's one of the additives they make to make food more moorish. So people say, for example, if you're having like potato chips or something like this, food manufacturers may add that in to make the food a bit more delicious, a bit more robust and have a bit more flavor. But then it also has the thing in the brain because the motor sodium glutamate pathway is neural stimulating and can be neural excitatory. Which, yes? My question is, would you use that as pre-workout then? Well, no, because it's not sodium. No, I'd use sodium. No, I would use, you could use bicarbs pre-workout. I would use electrolytes. In your body, definitely not.
2: I definitely you mentioned the pathway in the brain makes you feel more excited. So uh, that's why I yeah. don't know enough about that to really comment to say, but uh, I would use caffeine. <laughs> <laughs> i wouldn't be using
0: Motocytum. It, it, it's not in a good way. It, in a, motor sodium, glutamate, not in a good way. It, it, it can stimulate. My understanding is stimulate pathways too much that it's, it's essentially causes them to die off. Yep. It become desensitized, which right. is what you don't want. So yeah, it's not a, it's not like a pre-workout that's good. Um, No pre-workout I I would use electrolytes the the KTS solution I think are the the best electrolytes on the market because of the fact that they are formulated with a 1 to 1.6 ratio of sodium potassium which is what you'd find in the human body so Mark Schaus who formulated he also added bicarbs is very good because obviously weight training is going to cause acidity and the bicarbs help you become more alkalinic which means that if you are more alkalinic going into a set you should be able to get out more reps because the acid is usually where people stop that drop off and if you can Keep, that's where like bicarbs before a workout can actually be good to switch you into a bit more, being a bit more alkalinic. Although you don't want to have it too late at night because you do want to be slightly acidic going to bed. But anyway, yep. that's yeah, probably a lot more than you're talking about. <laughs> so yeah, I would avoid it. I wouldn't be recommending it to people, but I think if you went out for Asian food and it was in it, I wouldn't like mm. stress either. So long as 95% of what you're doing is on track. If it's like your one meal a week. Is Asian food and has MSG in it. I wouldn't like. So you go. wouldn't
2: add it to your own food. No, nah,
0: I definitely wouldn't add it to my own food. As a, as a regular, no way. Yeah, I just stick to Celtic sea salt because Celtic sea salt's what seventy percent sodium chloride and then thirty percent other minerals. That's the grey salt, not pink Himalayan salt. Celtic sea salt. It's a wet grey salt, and because of the fact that the thirty percent has your trace minerals, and most people. Most people like lithium, for example. Most people aren't thinking how much lithium do they get. They don't think about it. But if you're low in lithium, it can be a cause of depression, right? right. And so your there's battery a lot is of, low. So <laughs> your battery is low. <laughs> that's true too. I think Apple and Samsung are, are mining all the world's lithium for everyone. But that's a story, and Tesla as well. That's a story for another day. But the the point being, I would look at Celtic sea salt because it has trace minerals. So, I mean, if you're gonna salt your food, you might as well get your trace minerals in as well as the sodium, potassium and mm-hmm. everything else. So that would be my third. I wouldn't be adding something like MSG every day because again, anything, I think it's one of those things that there's conjecture around it, but the con- real conjecture, is it bad? I think the answer is yes. The conjecture is how much? Now that's anything neural is gonna be dose dependent obviously. And how much is to, you could have a little bit and someone else could, have, I could have, I'm just gonna say, uh, small pinch and it could be too much for me he could have five grams and it's fine you could have it every day that that everyone's going to have a slightly different limit right mm-hmm. so i think yeah i think there is that that's what the question is how much for each individual but by and large it, it would be something i would avoid and yeah okay yeah yeah and there, there may be other things on that i don't know again it's not something i've looked at super closely but that's my understanding of it as of, as of today, asking the question. <laughs> yep, yep. Yeah. So maybe next podcast. Yeah, maybe next <laughs> podcast. Jason?
1: Yeah. So you've mentioned a lot of supplements there. Have you got any supplements that you would recommend to everyone for maximum health? Electrolytes. Just electrolytes.
0: Yeah. And obviously depending how they're formulated. So there's a lot of brands on the market, but my number one supplement, which I don't even classify as a supplement anymore, is electrolytes, KTS Solutions. Shout out to Mark Schaus, who formulated my friend uh, in the States. Sodium, chloride, potassium, magnesium, You put the bicarbs in it as well. Everyone talks about the cardiovascular system, the respiratory system, the nervous system. One thing that always fails, people don't talk about the electrical system. And that's where everything basically sends signals to each other, which then does have a massive impact on your nervous system as well. Most people are dehydrated. Most people who have the electrolytes for the first time say they taste really salty. It's because they're deficient. If you look at, say for example, adrenal health, people with adrenal health usually don't have enough sodium. (laughs) Fixing someone's sodium can also help them with stress. Most people are highly wired and stressed. For me, the electrolytes, the way he formulated them was, as I said before, that one to 1.6 or seven ratio of the human body, no sugar, nothing added. It's a great supplement. So that's always my first. My second, usually magnesium. I don't use it exclusively as a sleep sleep supplement. Although if someone does struggle with sleep, I'll definitely go to the Designs for Health night powder because it's got the three types of magnesium as well as the precursor to melatonin. What is it? California poppy. I think they've got in there, which works really well and helps people sleep. So you get a double whammy Look, fish oil for most folks, because look, I don't supplement with fish oil. I I do. And I don't, I sometimes supplement with it, but it's not something I'm always taking. But for a lot of people who have a lot of inflammation or eating kind of a a sad diet, the standard Australian diet, fish oil is great. Because the, the standard diet is a one, this is more like kind of mainstream advice rather than athletic advice, if that makes sense. But the the standard Australian diet or American diet, Western diet has a one to 17 ratio of omega-3 to omega-6. So it's highly inflammatory basically. So having more omega-3 helps sequester some of that inflammation, helps drive and flip that ratio more favorably into what researchers have found, which is the one to four ratio uh, of omega-3 to omega-6. So you do want pro-inflammatory fats. It's just the question is how much, and it's around one to four. Most people have way too much pro-inflammatory fats. So fish oil would definitely be on my list. Electrolytes, magnesium, fish oil. Probably the other one would be protein powder. And the reason is because most people don't eat enough protein. Yeah, and it's not even really a supplement. It's a food. It's a macronutrient. So I'd be looking at getting enough protein for most people because that's going to have crossover to a lot of things. So my supplement recommendations are pretty simple, but elite is doing the simple things and basic things well and constant. And once you've done then, you see what it is for you that's holding you back And that's when you can add things. Is it adrenal function? Is it nervous? Do you want a nervous system? Is it cognition? Is it recovery? Because then you go down different paths of what you would support individually for those things. Alrighty guys, we're almost at time. So maybe one more question each and then
2: we'll get into the... Yeah, I have a question. Since we are on salt, let's say someone goes to a restaurant and after finishing eating, he says that he's super thirsty. Which, so, would that be a good thing that he's feeling thirsty that he could drink more water to feel more? Are you talking about yourself? You're asking for a friend? Or <laughs> <are you? laughs> I think I'm asking coming from my country. Yeah. Yes, because for us, like a lot of people have hypertension, and every time we go to the restaurant and coming out of the restaurant, like, oh, this, the food was very salty, and now you're going to have hypertension. And yeah, so what are your thoughts? Would that be a good thing so that would encourage them to drink more water? really have a strong <laughs> opinion because
0: I'm not, I'm not sure, I'm not sure, I don't, I don't know enough about it. So, um, look, I mean, if you, in general, if you're drinking high quality water, that's a good thing, but maybe lay off how many times you go out a week to eat, is what I would say. Don't eat foods that's so salty. If you're going out every night and eating super salty foods, then, and you're having hypertension, that's the writings on the wall, yeah? What if that's- you don't have hypertension? And you're going out and eating. And so you eating. are talking about you asking for yourself. <laughs> just drink your water, right? <laughs> Jason.
1: Yeah, just off his question there. Um, what would you do if someone was, or what would you do if you were in a position where you had to go out for, say, three to four, five business dinners every week? How would you fit, work that into your fitness regime?
0: Yeah, definitely abstaining from, if this was a client abstaining from alcohol, Uh, Alcohol uh, or
1: just dinners in general? Yeah, so
0: well, number one would be definitely abstaining because a lot of people when they go out for business things, they Mm. drink with the meal and that's where the hidden calories obviously come from. But then when you're having alcohol as well, that's where your decision-making ability goes down. It's do you want dessert? Yeah, I will have dessert. There I would put a pretty hard and fast rule, which would be abstain from alcohol. If this is part of your routine, then when you go out, you don't have a glass of wine with dinner because one glass of wine can very easily turn into two and two can turn into a bottle. Hard and fast rule, abstain from alcohol if business dinners is part of it. The second thing is, you can generally wherever you go, you can order meat. Get your steak, or if you can control where you go, I'd be going to steak places. And whether I order steak or fish or chicken, that's what i That would be my prime. And I'd, I'd be asking even if it's not on the menu, um, can I have? And I would be. You know, equating my protein. So I know for me, it's 200, 250 gram of steak is what would be my like average meal. Like if I go out for dinner, then I'll have a 350 gram of steak, but that's not every day. Mm -hmm. But If I was doing it every day, then I'm definitely gonna be asking for a smaller steak or I'm not even gonna be getting steak. I'm gonna be getting fish or chicken. So I'm gonna be getting a good serving of protein. And then I'm gonna be asking, can I have vegetables with it? And some form of carb. And that carbs usually gonna be potato. And that would be my dinner. No entree, no dessert give me my protein, give Mm -hmm. me my vegetables, which could be again, steak place. You can have salad, you can have vegetables, give me my carb serving, which would either be rice or potatoes. Generally the steak place is gonna be potatoes and that would be my meal. And that's what I would just copy and paste. And when I've gone around traveling, that generally is what I gravitate towards is steak places. And that is almost exactly what what I order to to manage those things. Yeah, Mm -hmm. cool. Well, gentlemen it's been lovely having you both rapid fire with questions <laughs> i hope you've all enjoyed this nutrition podcast shano where can people hear more and learn more yes, about you
2: i'm on instagram shane fitness but the a is an eight because you're a skater correct <laughs> <laughs> so i'm a skater so my in instagram for my skating is shane so skate <laughs> and yeah. uh, jason?
1: i'm also on instagram of course jason massey pt you'll find me there thanks Where can people buy the book if they want to know
0: more? They can buy it at Enterprise Diet. So if you're in Australia, you can buy it at EnterpriseDiet.com. Actually, anywhere international, EnterpriseDiet.com. And you can place your order there. It is on Kindle. um, So you can go on Amazon and buy it on Kindle. And it is going to be, probably by the time you watch this, it will be on paperback. And then the other place, it will be on Kindle, is you can order the paperback on Kindle as well very, very soon. Probably by the time you watch this, it'll be on paperback. And the audio will come eventually. Is it with your voice? It will be with my voice, but I have no idea when it's coming out because it's going to be an awful lot of work. I've got to adapt the whole text to talk it.
1: And obviously we stock them here at Enterprise Fitness.
0: And we stock them here. at Enterprise. So you can come into the studio. If you're in Melbourne, come into the studio, I'll give you a signed copy and- uh, Signed copy. And my name is Mark Ottobre. I'm the owner and founder of Enterprise Fitness. Hope you've enjoyed this podcast. Make sure you subscribe to us. And if you could do me a favor, if you could leave a review, it helps so much to get these podcasts heard and seen and recommended by, uh, and even if you introduce one person to it, it, it'd really help and also help the person that you're recommending it to get in shape and get the right answers and get them on track. Until next time, folks, eat well, train hard and supplement smart.